Have any of you ever sent a text message and then later realized that you had let auto spell spell something that you did not intend? If you're like me, you've done that a lot of times. Recently, I've had a sore on my thumb, and I even have been spelling my own name incorrectly on my text messages. Some of you are nodding your heads. Instead of B-O-B, it's B-O-N. For whatever reason, I can't seem to even get that right. Well, here's my most recent text message typo. It is G-rated, by the way. Recently, one of our dear charter members, as you know, Jack Reynolds and his family is, is here with us today, went to be with the Lord. And I was able to go over to Jack's house that morning to have prayer and visit with his family. But unfortunately, one of his children had to leave for work, and I missed seeing him. So I didn't get to visit with him personally. So when I got back to the church office, I sent him the following text message. So just listen for a minute. Me. And I called him by name, and then I said, I'm, I'm so very sorry for your loss. I was able to visit earlier, but you had already left to go back to work. May God be with you and comfort you in these hours and days to come. In Christ, Bob. And he responded, Thank you, peace, and gave me the peace sign emoji. And when I saw his response, I read my previous text and realized that I had made a major typo. I want you to see it. If you can, look at the yellow in the first text bubble. Instead of typing, in Christ, Bob, I typed, I'm Christ, Bob. Just one small letter made a major difference in my message. And it was a timely lesson for me in humility. I responded to him, I just reread my text. I am certainly not Jesus. He said, Yeah, I thought you got a promotion. I said, that would be a pretty big job, to say the least. Well, doesn't Jesus set us the most beautiful example of a life of humility? A beautiful life of sacrifice to others. And as we celebrate Jack's life, in the next few weeks, we will certainly acknowledge his humble service as a charter member of our church. I will argue that verse 5 of today's passage is the keystone of the Christian life, where the Apostle Paul reminds us that we are to imitate Jesus. But there's a world of difference between imitating Jesus and playing God. Lots of people, including self-proclaimed spiritual leaders in the world today, think they walk on water where we have a Savior who not only walked on water but washed the dirty, grimy feet of his disciples. 
And I pray that we would have an awakening to this kind of humble service. Recently, one of our members shared with me that they had had an awakening. They had been a Christian for quite some time, but had an experience through prayer and scripture that was really life-changing. Their life was transformed. They did not see God in the same way and see him in a totally new light, more real to them than ever before. And I pray that as we are gathered here today that we would have that same kind of an awakening. If you've been on a journey with Jesus for a while or maybe you're just beginning or maybe you need to start that journey, I pray that in your life that God will bring an awakening of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is the one who does that work enabling us to look at who Jesus is and all he's done for us and look into the mirror of our own lives and say, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I'm not serving in the way I should be. I'm too focused on my own agenda. I'm selfish and all wrapped up in me, myself, and I, not in Christ, Bob, but I'm Christ, Bob that God would awaken us to a true life of humble sacrifice and imitation of Jesus. And if I'm honest, I fail all the time. If I'm honest, I don't always put others first and sometimes put myself first and ask God to, by his grace, help me to remember the way of Jesus. Thank you, God, that you've saved me, that you've saved us, that you've rescued us, that you have redeemed us, and that you have awakened us to this life of transformation and humble service. And I pray that we will have this awakening to our need for Jesus to make us more and more like him. In the early service, Pastor Jim was reading scripture, and, and he said, more and more and more and more like Jesus who is the supreme example of a beautiful life of sacrifice and humility. This life is this life message is of paramount importance for Christians who are leaders today, deacons and clergy and laity alike. As I said last Sunday in our series, people are cynical of the church today. Often are untrusting of organized religion. And the fastest growing segment of our population are the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, the religiously unaffiliated who don't want to have anything to do with church or other organized religion. And it is incumbent upon us, the next generation and the next generation after, to help change that so that other people can truly see authentic ministry in the name of Jesus, who gave this example in Scripture to his disciples in John 13, 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. Is it that hard? Is it? We sure make it hard. Love one another, he said. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. God, help us with that. Please, help me with that, please. Henry Nouwen has this word primarily to Christian leaders, but applicable to all of us in the, his book, In the Name of Jesus. 
Here we touch on the most important quality of Christian leadership in the future. It is not a leadership of power and control, but a leadership of powerlessness and humility in which the suffering servant of God, Jesus Christ, is made manifest. He writes, powerless in humility in the spiritual life do not refer to people who have no spine or who let everyone else make decisions for them. They refer to people who are so deeply in love with Jesus that they are ready to follow him wherever he guides them, always trusting that with him they will find life and find it abundantly. In this text, Paul is writing to the Christians at Philippi who have their own struggles. There is strife in the churches. There's some division. There's suffering. Shackled to a Roman guard 24-7, Paul understood their plight. They were receiving opposition from all sides, family, friends, Roman officials, and even Jewish from Jewish leaders. And Paul's advice to them is still the same for us today. Standing firm in the faith is the best response. His words in chapter 2 have an, a, a serve as an awakening to Christians and our churches today. I believe that we as the current contemporary church are experiencing a stress that generations have not seen before. There, is, there are not only the overall experience of a global pandemic, which has pressed in on us all, but there are also competing factions in churches, whether over worship or political ideology or denominational loyalty or how we spend money or don't spend money or the lack thereof. And churches can get tunnel vision and forget the values and purpose that called them into existence in the first place. And Paul is acknowledging all of these things and calls the Christians at Philippi back to the very essence of the gospel itself, not only to love one another, but humility in Jesus, simply the humility of Jesus. He gives a reminder of this power of being united with Christ that will help them as they face all of these pressures. I want to read verse 27 of chapter 1 as a brief lead-in to what he says in chapter 2. By the way, we could do a whole series just chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. So today, we will only do some framework and make some uh, specific uh, application referencing humility. Uh, but this is a passage that's a beautiful study for you all and a greater opportunity. But verse 27 in chapter 1 Whatever happens, Paul writes, we read this last week, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. The translation in English, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy is a Greek word that means to live as citizens of a country. So these were Roman citizens, but he's, Paul is calling them to be citizens of heaven. In chapter 3, verse 20, he says, you are citizens of heaven. And so here, you are citizens 
of heaven. You are tending unto yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Don't forget that purpose, that core, that essence of why you exist, the gospel of Jesus Christ, loving others as he has commanded you. And then we go into chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. And he goes on talking about unity in this humility. But listen to how the Greek can be translated here. He's putting, taking them back to what we just read in chapter 1. Therefore, and when there's a therefore, you ask, what's it there for? It can be translated like this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, in Christ, and you do, if there's any comfort from his love, and there is, if any common sharing in the spirit, you got it. If any tenderness and compassion, you're doing that. Then make my joy complete by being one. You see what I'm saying? You can also translate it. It, it expresses a reality that exists. He's calling them back to their core values. He says, since you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, since you have comfort from his love, since you have common sharing in the spirit, since you, you have tenderness and compassion, make my you, you will make my joy complete. He is acknowledging the reality, taking them back to their core values. And then he gives them this call to stand firm in the faith in verse 2. Be of the same mind, be like-minded, have the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind or purpose. Same mind, same love, same spirit, same, same purpose. A call to unity and humility. If they follow these things, they will be able to persevere and overcome all that they're experiencing, and so will we. Verses 3 and 4, there is a specific call to humility. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Vain conceit is like translated like self-worship, like saying, I'm God putting ourselves on a pedestal and having this mentality that others are beneath us. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, rather, or being conceit, rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Humility means to kneel down, to be low, to make oneself low, to uh, elevate someone else. And verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It's a call to humility. And often in the corporate world, the CEOs and the executive folks forget what it's like to be out in the trenches. And in Pastor Aaron's example in the children's message, sometimes they have a very hard time in a, an entry-level position or working out in the, the store or restaurant where their employees are serving. I, won't, I don't have time, but a, a lot of companies fail because of this prideful arrogance at the corporate level. Jim Collins has done a lot of work with that and has written a book called How the Mighty Fall. So if, if you're in the business world, you can uh, check that out and helps to articulate some of the reasons why 
businesses do not succeed. But we also look at the lack of humility in everyday people, including people who claim to be Christians, as they don't consider others before them, they, as they don't consider others before their own needs. And Paul is saying, put others first. Last week, I saw a news story about a uh, American Airlines jet bound for London from Miami, Florida. And the flight got about an hour and a half over the Atlantic Ocean. And there was an unruly passenger who refused to wear a mask, which is federal law on an airplane. And they turned around and took her back to Miami. And everybody else on the plane had to find another flight, and their trip was delayed, whether it was going home to London or going there on some kind of trip. And how can't we, for the sake of someone else, abide by those kinds of things to make sure that others are saved? I'm thankful that here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church that we have continued to think that way, to think about others before ourselves and our mask wearing here in our campus. It's unpleasant, I know. And our team is meeting monthly to evaluate and to assess all these protocols. But the governor, the past or present governor, have not mandated that we do that. We have set, selected to do that on our own and feel that it is best practice. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your willingness to put others before ourselves to help mitigate the spread of this horrible virus. So we are called to imitate Jesus, aren't we? In humility. And as I said, verse 5 is the keystone, I believe, of this passage where Paul writes, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Have this mindset, this attitude. Imitate Jesus. And what was that mindset? Humility. And we see that in the story of how he washed the feet of his disciples after the Lord's Supper. And he knelt down and took a basin and a towel and did servant's work. Rembrandt's done some art depicting this. Here's a sketch that he did. You can see the hesitancy of Peter receiving the foot washing. And uh, uh, an Italian artist named, I believe, pronounced Duccio, who lived in the 1200s, did a painting of Jesus kneeling and washing his disciples' feet. And there again is Peter, and you can see the hesitancy on Peter's face, and his arm is up, not wanting to receive that, because that's not the work of the rabbi, that's something that a servant should do. But Jesus embraced this servant leadership and took a towel and basin and washed their feet. When we seek to imitate Jesus, this is the model I believe Paul is pointing to. And then Jesus said in chapter 13 of the Gospel of John, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And now we look at the rest of this beautiful passage in two sections. Listen. Imitating Jesus, have the same mindset of Jesus. And verse 6, who being in very nature God, 
not separate from God, not another being, not another essence, but in the very essence, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or grasped. Paul is using a word that means to steal something, as in a thief stealing something that doesn't belong to them. That saying that Jesus is not trying to grasp this power from God. Rather, he made himself nothing. He emptied himself. Kenosis is the Greek word, like a drink offering that is completely poured out. Paul refers to that as well in this letter. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a, of a servant, being made in human likeness. And verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. There it is again. He made himself low to such a point and becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The cruelest punishment in the Roman Empire. Usually used to crucify or execute accursed people. The most heinous of criminals. This is the kind of obedience we see in the suffering servant of Jesus. But doesn't end there. And that's the good news. You see, this is cross. Verses 6 through 8, this is cross. But verses 9 through 11 is resurrection. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Cross and resurrection. We worship a humble Savior who died on our behalf but rose from the grave and gives us the power to live and serve and desires that we do that in humility. C.S. Lewis said this, True humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. My, what a lesson it is to me. And I hope to all of us. Only then, when we embrace this mentality, are we able to be awakened and transformed to a, a life of humble sacrifice as followers of Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning that all of us will have a Holy Spirit awakening to our need for Jesus and to our need for him to make us more and more and more like him. The supreme example of a beautiful life of sacrifice and humility.